0: faithful. They weren't sinless, but they were blameless, living in reliance upon the Lord. They were also old and childless because Elizabeth was barren. Does that sound familiar? We just read that last week Genesis 18. Just as Abraham and Sarah were promised the son in their old age, so were Zechariah and Elizabeth. Why would the Lord choose A a man whose name means God remembers, and a woman whose name means uh, God of the Covenant, to bring this promise. You see what he's doing here. Elizabeth would have delight, just as Sarah would have delight. She would bear a son for Zechariah, and they were to name him John, which means God is gracious. Isn't this beautiful? This God is doing this. These names aren't just uh, random names. And God would graciously fill John with his Holy Spirit while John was still in Elizabeth's womb because God was preparing John to fulfill God's gracious promise that he made through the prophet Malachi. He turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, right? And the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the Lord. Because God graciously remembered his covenant, John would be the long-awaited prophet, in, like Elijah, who would prepare God's people for God's coming. God graciously heard Zechariah's prayers and he answered them. Not only would Zechariah and Elizabeth have a son, but their son, could you imagine this honor? Their son would be the one who ushers in the Messiah that they've been waiting for. But when Zechariah heard this news, he was skeptical. Look at verse 18. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. It doesn't take that long to offer the prayers. When he did come out, he could not speak to them when they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary, or then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went <coughs> Excuse me. He went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He's looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Like I said, Zechariah isn't sinless. Here's the proof His words echo Abraham and Sarah's unbelief when God told them that they would have a son. God had been silent to the Jews for more than 400 years, and when he finally spoke some good news through the angel Gabriel, Zechariah did not believe it. He did not believe God's words, and so now it would be Zechariah's turn to be silent. The irony here is that Zechariah didn't believe the words that he heard, but when he went out to the people in the temple courtyard, they believed because they didn't hear any words. When they saw that Zechariah couldn't speak, they knew that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary, even though they didn't know all that that entailed. Gabriel said uh, that his words would be fulfilled in their proper time, just as the Lord promised Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18 that the son he promised to them would come at the appointed time. Do you see the, 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 the connection there? And, and sure enough, Elizabeth conceived as Gabriel said she would, and she praised God for showing her favor and removing this, the disgrace of barrenness from her. And as God removed her shame through a promised son, God was going to remove his people's shame. Through a promised son. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary, may it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. So six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth is a small rural town. That, like, you blink and you miss it, right? Nothing special there. Mary was no one of importance. Joseph was a descendant of King David, but Joseph was no king. He and Mary were young. They were poor. They were engaged to be married. Matthew's gospel tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream at a separate time. And reassured him of the things that Gabriel told Mary here. But Luke's gospel focuses on Mary's encounter with Gabriel, patterning it after his, the, the encounter of Gabriel with Zechariah to show us the difference between their two reactions, their responses. Just as God showed favor to Elizabeth, he also showed favor to Mary. Elizabeth was old and barren, Mary was young and a virgin. But God promised both of them a son. God opened Elizabeth's womb, which in and of itself is is miraculous in, in its own right. But what he did for Mary was even more miraculous. She wasn't barren. She was a virgin. And yet she would become pregnant as a virgin. It's important to note, twice the angel Gabriel said that Mary was favored by God. Once in verse 28 and once in verse 30. This is important because it means that Mary was the recipient of God's grace, not the source of it. Jesus, it's her son, Jesus, who would be the source of God's grace to her and to all people. Verse 32, Gabriel says about, the, about Jesus, he will be great. If you remember back in verse 15, he also said that about John. And yet, Mary's son would be even greater than John and his name reveals why you know what Jesus means Yahweh is salvation John himself acknowledged this later when he fulfilled the the, the what he, his role was when he came to prepare people for Jesus he said one who is greater than I is is coming or, or one who is greater than I is coming I am not uh, uh, worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then again, he pointed to it when he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John eventually says, he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus is greater. He's greater. Gabriel elaborated on Jesus' greatness in verse 32 and 33. Remember God's coming in with David. God promised that one of David's descendants would rule on his throne forever, and God told David, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Gabriel just told Mary that her son Jesus is the one who would fulfill God's covenant promise to David. He will be called the son of God, the son of the mighty one. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah King, and not only that, he's the holy, eternal Divine Son of God, clothed in humanity. Mary's response in verse 34 sounds similar to Zechariah's at first, but, but we get to verse 38 and we realize that she wasn't skeptical about Gabriel's words like Zechariah was. She believed that she would have a son, but she was curious about how that was going to happen because, it was she, because she was a virgin and she would still be one when she conceived this promised son. It's not humanly possible. Gabriel's answer, God most high will make it happen by the power of his Holy Spirit because nothing is impossible with God. Does that phrase sound familiar? We heard that last week in Genesis 18. What did God Almighty ask Abraham and Sarah? Is anything impossible for the Lord? Gabriel just gave us the definitive answer here. Nothing is impossible and he confirmed it For Mary by telling her about her relative Elizabeth. Go look and see what God did with her. Elizabeth was pregnant in her old age, just as Sarah was. And in a great display of faith that Zechariah had lacked initially, Mary said to Gabriel, see, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. She believed the good news of Gabriel's words, and she went to see Elizabeth. Look at verse 39. In those days, Mary uh, set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me for you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Now, this meeting is significant. Not only did Mary see for herself that Elizabeth was pregnant, just as Gabriel had said, but the, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that Gabriel had just promised to, uh, to, to Mary, the power of the Holy Spirit was on display here for both women. Back in verse 15, Gabriel told Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in Elizabeth's womb. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, what did John do? He leaped in her womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew the mother of the Lord had come. And even as an unborn baby, he was preparing people for the Lord because the Holy Spirit was empowering him to do so. And what happened when he leaped in, in Elizabeth's womb? She was then filled with the Holy Spirit. And she shared in John's joy, the joy of an unborn baby at the coming of the Lord. She, was, she pronounced blessing upon Mary. There's no indication from the text that Gabriel went to Elizabeth and told her that Mary would have a baby. There's no indication here from the text that, that Mary was pregnant yet. But the Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth understanding about what was going to happen. She called Mary the mother of my Lord. And by doing so, she affirmed Gabriel's description of Jesus back in verses 31 through 33. He's the Messiah. He's the King. He's the Lord. He's the Promised One. And Elizabeth blessed Mary twice, affirming Gabriel's words that Mary had found favor with God. Zechariah was rebuked for his unbelief. Mary was blessed because she believed that the Lord would fulfill what he had spoken to her. And so overjoyed and overwhelmed by God's goodness to her, Mary then burst out in a psalm of praise. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who, who fear him. He's done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He's toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then she returned to her home. Mary calls God, God my Savior. Mary knew herself to be in need of a Savior. She knew she needed to be saved from her sins along with the rest of Israel, and she humbly rejoiced that not only had the Mighty One looked on her with favor, but he'd also remained faithful to keep his covenant with Abraham and would show mercy to all who fear the Lord. That is, all who have faith in God, as Abraham did. Mary's son would be her savior. Think about that. And, and, the, and the one who would oppose the proud but give grace to the humble and, and deliver his people, through him she would be blessed and so would all who seek his mercy according to the promise that God gave to Abraham. Through your descendant, I will bring blessing to the nations. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for the remainder of, the, uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy and then doesn't really tell us one way or the other, but she, she returned to Nazareth either shortly after or shortly before John was born. But this next section gives an account of his birth. Look at verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she had a son. And then her neighbors and relatives heard that, uh, that the Lord had shown her his great mercy and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak Praising God. Fear came on all those who lived uh, 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 who lived around them, and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. Back in verse 14, Gabriel told Zechariah that many would rejoice at the birth of his son. We see that come come true here in verse 58. Elizabeth's relatives and neighbors rejoiced with her at God's great mercy when John was born. When they wanted to name him after his father, Elizabeth, Elizabeth faithfully followed Gabriel's instructions and told them that his name was John. But Israelite fathers had the final naming rights in those days, and so they needed to double-check with Zechariah and see what the boy's name should be. And this time, this time, Zechariah's faith is evident too. Because for roughly nine months... He was unable to speak, but he was not unable to see. And for nine months, he saw with his own eyes the promise that, he, that had been spoken to him come to fruition as his wife's belly grew. And when that son was born, Zechariah knew, this kid's name is John. Zechariah had learned not to doubt God's word. And as soon as he wrote those words on the tablet, words of praise and prophecy came pouring out of his mouth. Look at verse 67. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham. And he's given us the privilege, since we've been rescued from the hand of our enemies, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. In verse 69, Zechariah praised God for keeping his covenant promise to David and he, prom- and he, and he prophesied that God has raised up a, a horn of salvation the Messiah King, the strong one, to provide redemption for his people. And in verse 72 and 73, Zechariah praised God for keeping his covenant promises to Abraham. And then he prophesied that his own son John would go before the coming Lord and prepare the people for his way of blessing by giving them the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. God is fulfilling all of his promises in Jesus. Now, it's important here to note John came to give the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came to bring salvation itself. This is why Jesus is greater. It would, John would prepare the way, but Jesus is the way. John was a prophet of the Most High, as verse 76 says, but Jesus is the Son of the Most High, according to verse 32. And this Son of the Most High was born of a virgin so that he could grow up and serve God the Father in holiness and and righteousness all of his days and bring the light of life to those of us who live in the darkness of sin. And he did that by entering the shadow of death on our behalf through his sacrifice on the cross and by raising from the grave to guide our feet into the way of peace and reconciliation with God. This is the good news that Gabriel was bringing. It's also important to note that the role of the Holy Spirit, or to note the role that the Holy Spirit played in in all that we've seen in this passage. John was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she heard Mary's greeting and John leaped inside her. The Holy Spirit would come upon Mary and overshadow her, enabling her to conceive as a virgin and give birth to the Son of God. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a foreshadowing of the fulfillment that Christ would bring to God's new covenant promises. Remember Jeremiah? Remember Ezekiel? I'll pour out my Spirit upon you. Luke is letting us in. It's coming, the new covenant. It's coming through this son. Through Jesus, God will forgive the iniquity of his people and never again remember their sin. Through Jesus, God will save his people from all uncleanness and give them a new heart and place his spirit within them and cause them to follow his statutes and carefully observe his ordinances. Through Jesus, God will keep his promises to Adam and Abraham and David. Through Jesus, God will show his merciful compassion and provide redemption for his people. Through Jesus. Now, we ought to be grateful for the great lengths that Luke went to in order to convey these wonderful truths to us in the beginning of his gospel. But my hope for us this morning, I, I don't have like a huge major like application other than this. Sometimes we just need to be in awe of the great lengths that God himself has gone to reveal the beautiful, wonderful good news of the gospel to us. Not just when the gospels themselves start, but in all of his word, the whole counsel of God brings us to Jesus. God has gone to great lengths to keep his covenant promises and to bring about blessing to the nations. And he's done this through Jesus Christ. And so my prayer is that we approach, as we approach Christmas this week, six days from now on Saturday, as we come back on Friday for the Christmas Eve service, as we sing Christmas songs that are familiar to us, So familiar that sometimes we overlook the truths that they're communicating. My prayer is that as we, as we fix our eyes on Christmas time, that we would do so with a renewed wonder, not only at the virgin birth of our Savior. If you're a follower of Christ in here, that, that's what we celebrate, right? Our, our Savior, not just Israel's Savior, our Savior has come. We're the nations that He's blessed we also have the privilege of rejoicing at the faithfulness of God to fulfill all that he's promised to all of his people. Praise God. May our souls magnify the Lord. May our spirits rejoice in God our Savior because he's looked on favor the outcast and the downcast the poor and the needy. He's looked on favor uh, on our humble condition and he's gone. he's done great things for us. He's remembered his mercy to Abraham and his descendants and his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He's visited and he's provided redemption for his people and he's rescued us from the hand of our enemies so that we may serve him without fear and in holiness and righteousness in his presence all of our days. And he's given us salvation through the forgiveness of our sins, and he'll never again remember our iniquity. And he's given us new hearts, and he's placed his Holy Spirit in us and caused us to follow his statutes and carefully observe his commands. Because of God's merciful compassion, we no longer live in the darkness and the shadow of death. Why? Because the dawn from on high has shined his great light on us, and he... He alone has guided our feet to the way of peace. The Son of the Most High, the descendant of Eve, the descendant of Abraham, the descendant of David, the Messiah King, the Promised One, Jesus Christ. He'll reign over us forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Glory be to God. Amen? Father, we thank you for the beautiful, true story that you have crafted together so perfectly in your word. We thank you for the glory of God that we see in the face of Jesus Christ, and through Jesus, we may approach the Holy One cleansed, forgiven, made new, rescued, redeemed, rejoicing. Lord, give us eyes to see with newness the wonder, the beauty that is Christmas, the birth of the one who fulfilled all the Old Testament promises and brought all the new covenant promises with him. We pray this in the mighty one, Jesus Christ's name, amen.